Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Be talking about, and today is your day. If you've got a question about the Bible or question about something going on or a comment you'd like to make, conversation starter, today is the day for that. 888-528-2557. Unlike other days of the week, we'll change the subject for you, and we might switch back to another subject later. We'll see where it goes. 888-528-2557. You can call now. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. On our program, we take the issues of the day and look at them from a biblical perspective, and I think it helps us get a little bit deeper into the different things that are going on. Maybe you saw this in the news today. A uh, Somebody attacked the husband of Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and uh, Nancy was in uh, Washington, D.C., but her husband was home and uh, here is the news story. Well, first of all, obviously, this is horrific. No matter what your politics are, no matter how you feel about the Pelosi family, anybody that's attacked, especially an elderly man in their home, horrific. And I think everybody will be smart to first condemn anything like that that would happen. But I think you're right. It would be hard to believe that this wasn't somehow motivated by it being a Pelosi, because like you said, their address is public. People know where they live. But you also highlighted what average everyday Americans feel that don't have the Capitol Police, that don't have the resources that the Pelosi family would have when something like this happens. Everyday people in San Francisco and major cities across the U.S. are in this culture of lawlessness where criminals, thugs, felons feel so emboldened to go and do something like this. The home invasions, the burglaries. I mean, it happens all the time in Hollywood. People that are routinely talking about defunding the police until it happens to them. It's a stark reality we have to face. That was uh, Tommy Lahren on Fox News. And, you know, she it's funny because I've, I've seen this on all the stations, right? When this happens, and she's right at the beginning that this is horrific what happened here. Uh, that this would that this would happen to anybody that someone would break into the house there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, sort of the fog of the news about this guy's you know where he's coming from and clearly he's mentally ill and he's been a part of some weird stuff okay up there in San Francisco and other stuff that apparently is in his background although you never know he might be a completely different person tomorrow those things get kind of uh, messed up over time of course she goes political pretty quickly to start bringing up the lawlessness which is a problem and other things when you hear this kind of stuff, does your is it hard to make your mind not, you know, sort of take sides on uh, whatever it means? You know, I think for for right now, we got to just wait and and pray for him. His name is Paul Paul Pelosi, and he's eighty two years old. And I mean, somebody broke into his house. Apparently, he, she he was screaming, "Where's Nancy?" So he knew what house he was in. And uh, when the police got there, they were wrestling. Uh, on the ground and he hit him in the head with a hammer he's going to be okay but he's had to have surgery to fix his uh, fractured skull it's a bad it's a bad scene this happens do you feel uh does this make you feel less safe i mean i i can remember never locking my door i'm not that old do you remember that where maybe we locked the front door once in a while but if i went out to play or if i was nearby it wouldn't be a big deal if the front door was unlocked or you'd leave it unlocked for somebody if you thought they were coming by um even the car doors i remember maybe as a kid that changed at some point uh where you started uh, locking up your cars and um you know we're at a place now where i mean this is a house that has security this is a house that uh, presumably 
you know, I would think there's some kind of security, probably locked doors. Scary thing. Scary thing. Anyway, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for him because let's do it. You know, God, I pray for Paul Pelosi that you would give him healing, that whatever is going on here, even with his attacker, that somehow there would be a light shown into the evil of violent attacks that there would be some movement on the different political problems we have when it comes to to crime and things like this, things that would be better for people. And God, I pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, maybe you think that's weird, but I feel like as Christians, we have to not let that be weird, that we got to actually care. And I think as that story develops, probably over the weekend, we'll learn some details and there might be some, you know, there's always a, a political ramification of something going on. But it's, uh, it's important, isn't it, that we realize that the people who are in political office, whether we vote for them or not, they're people. They're people who need Jesus at the end of the day. They're people who we do not want to go to hell. We're, we want people to, to repent whoever they are and whatever they're for. And if they need to change their mind about some things, that's part of repentance, ultimately, is that that would happen and the Lord would cause them to do that. And when people do that in a in a positive way, it really does some great things. So keep her in your prayers and or him in your prayers. That's just something to do and see how that story goes. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday. <laughs> And we'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. So you can bring up a subject. We had a caller who, uh, you, sorry, I didn't get to you right away. So you got to be a little patient. Sometimes uh, the lights light up and we'll get to you. We will get to you. 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right. It's going to be hard to not talk about election stuff because it's coming up and it's pretty important. Does Do you have election pet peeves about election times? You Maybe you just don't even like to talk about it. Maybe it's the signs. Maybe it's the ads, all the different things. Maybe it's that you can't have a news story without it somehow going political one way or another. What's your election pet peeve? I've got one. I'll share with you in a minute. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. One of my election pet peeves, and this is a big deal right now. You're probably hearing a lot of people in the news talk about a Republican wave, a Republican um, you know, the red wave, the the red tsunami I was seeing online a while ago. And uh, in 2020, people was the other way. In 2018, the other way. It was a blue wave, blue tsunami. And the idea is, you know, the one side or the other is going to win. Most of the time, most of the time, midterm elections go in the direction of the party who's not in power. Um, what my election pet peeve is sometimes we don't put things into perspective, does that make sense? I remember when, whenever Bill Clinton won the presidency in 1992, USA Today, which used to be a newspaper. I don't know if they print that. Is that still? I think I guess it is. <laughs> they used to have these these polls you could call in and like give your opinion. You call one nine hundred and then whatever the number is, and you had to pay a dollar to say I agree with this or I disagree with that. The best thing about those polls is not only did you pay a dollar to say I agree or a dollar to say I disagree, there was another number you could call to say you had no opinion. You didn't know. And I always thought, who are the people who are spending a dollar to call 1-900-whatever to say, I have absolutely no idea what I think about this? USA Today had this cover when Bill Clinton won, and it said, landslide. Well, he only won 300 and some electoral votes. It was a solid victory for sure. But historically speaking, it wasn't that huge. And it bothered me that they called it a landslide. And so whenever I have 
even that – and it seems like whoever wins the election, somebody's calling it a landslide. It's not a landslide. You know, 525 electorals out of 535, that's what Ronald Reagan got in 1984. That's a landslide. All right? Richard Nixon got all but 13 in 1972. That's a landslide. Uh, those are – that we – you know, what that shows usually is significant unity in the country – even if it's just 60-40 or 55-45, that's much bigger than we're, we've had in a long time. Now we're, we're pretty well divided, right? Probably uh, for a while, at least the way California is, the way we vote now, is the Democrats in presidential elections are going to continue to win the popular vote, even if they lose the election in the Electoral College. A whole question that people bring up. Did you know why this is? Do you know that all of Hillary Clinton's 2016 lead in the popular vote, all of it, is in California, west of the I-5. Nationally, it's uh, you know, a lot more even across the way. Same thing with uh, Joe Biden um, in uh, the left coast, everything west of the I-5. Uh, very, that's, and that's why you have an electoral college, right? Because it means that people who don't live on the coast, left or right, um, their votes also count. They also get to have uh, part of the system. So I get a little bit, um, I, I feel like people's, when you have this this red wave thing, I do think the Republicans are going to win the House, probably the Senate. Um, but you got to be careful about the perspective, I think, that you have. Obviously, when the House flips or the Senate flips, it's a big deal for whatever party is there, whatever party's in, in power. Um, but the average, okay, and this is something I think to, to think about, uh, it is not un, it is to be expected that the Republicans would win the House and in the Senate the way it's close, the way it is that they would win. All right, that is something that is significant. Since uh, in 19 midterms, since the end of World War II, the party holding the White House has lost an average of 27 seats and four in the Senate. And so I guess what I caution is not getting too excited. Obviously, it's a big deal. It'll be a big deal for the Republicans if they win. But if they only win 27 House seats, that's going to sound like a lot, but it's just average. If they win four Senate seats, it's that would be huge. Most people don't think they're going to win four. I think they might. It depends on what how things are going to float here in the next week, but things are definitely headed that way. Uh, but that's average, actually, over the last uh, 70 years. And the reason I think it's important to have that perspective is because if that's all it is, if it's just 27 and four, then it's harder to argue that the country has changed its mind about a lot of stuff, meaning that it would be hard for people on the right to argue that their way of thinking is is taking over, that they're winning the argument nationally. Does that make sense? Now, if you're on the left, you're a Democrat, and it's only 27 and 4, you're going to feel pretty bad because you lost both houses of the thing. And if it's like 26 house seats, it probably isn't going to make you feel better to say, well, we did better than average. Right there's there's a perspective there too right it's like well we still lost everything uh, incidentally Republicans only have to gain five seats the House is very very close five seats in the House or only one seat in the Senate uh, net in order to change the the balance of power so that's why this is going to be I think a very significant election because it will change um, a lot Republicans of course have to keep in mind that if they win then they are now going to be responsible right there's there is something to be said about having no power at all. You get to complain a lot, and you can blame the other guy all you want to. And, uh, you know, when you don't have the White House or each either uh, House in Congress on national races, well, it's pretty easy to blame the other side because you don't really have much power. 
On the other hand, when uh, that pays off for you and you win, suddenly you do have power. And so in 2024, assuming the Republicans win, they're going to be accountable. It shapes it shapes whatever that election is going to look like because people are going to say, well, yeah, OK, so the Democrats had the presidency, but but you had the uh, House and the Senate for two years. And where are we at? You know, is inflation still bad? You know, has, has anything been resolved? Are you better off than you were two years ago or four years ago? That's the that's the question. Do you ever have a time in life when you're you had a perspective on something that was overblown or you were just sort of even maybe beneath where that was? 888-528-2557. If you want to call 888-528-2557. Right now, it does seem like and uh, the news is reporting the Republicans will probably win the election. Election day is only 12 days away, but many Democratic officials seem to believe barring some major seismic event, control of the House of Representatives is all but gone. Democrats can feel the House seats slipping through their fingers, as some experts project Republicans could pick up maybe even 30 seats, and they only need five to win back the majority. That was Jake Tapper on uh, CNN. This is uh, Jen Psaki on MSNBC. Democrats are kind of worried about where this is going right now, and it's felt worse over the last week or so. Uh, and, you know, we, we only have 11 days to go here. So there's uh, that's, that's why I think you see Barack Obama, Joe Biden, all these people out on the trail because they're trying to light a fire uh, with Democrats right now. So if you watch the news, any of the political channels, everybody's kind of on the same page. You don't really know what's going to happen. There's all this early voting, and, and it used to be that the early voting probably uh, was better for Democrats, but not so much anymore. Are you voting? Have you sent your ballot in? Uh, make sure that you take the time to vote. You still have a little bit over a week. And, um, you know, people ask all the time, how do you find out, you know, who to vote for, especially on the the school board members and people like that? Every candidate on there just about is going to have a website. So if you have web access, if you're good enough on the Internet or you got a phone that will check that out, you can look them up. And usually you can get right away um, the an, an idea of what it is they believe, what their policies are going to be, and those kinds of things. I encourage you to continue to do that. There's some major things on the ballot, some big things that are in the propositions in our state. We've talked a lot about Proposition 1. Proposition 1 claims that it is just codifying California abortion law into the state constitution, but that's not what it does. And uh, there's some disagreement about that. A couple of you sent me a couple of articles. I've read them, and I'll do a show on this next week to get into more detail. Um, but what it does is it does not, the, the, the constitutional amendment does not have any restrictions at all for any abortion, even late-term abortions, even abortions that would happen right up to the last minute. And so the belief is, is that because the, con- the state constitution is the highest law of the state, then if somebody wants to do that, they're going to have a legal avenue to do that, that the current California law does have restrictions. Current California law says you cannot have an abortion after uh, the child has viability. Basically, the idea that uh, statistically the child has a reasonable expectation of living outside the mother's womb. How many weeks is that? Well, everybody agrees it's 24 it has we've had children born already at 20 weeks 22 weeks is not uncommon and so currently in california you would not be able to have an abortion except for extreme reasons life of the mother things like that you would not be able to have an abortion until or or after 24 weeks but the constitutional amendment will eliminate that the constitutional amendment does not have anything in there about restrictions 
And so people say, well, there will be laws about it. Yeah, there will, the California law will still be there, but it's going to be challenged. And that is something that we've talked about before that's happening nationally, a movement that has been going on for 10 years now to move away from the idea of abortion being safe, legal, and rare, which people who are pro-choice used to say, to now abortion under any circumstances right up until birth. Some people would say even after birth, which we'll do another show on that. It's a, it's a lot more controversial because when you hear people say that, you go, nah, they're not really going to do that. Um, and I don't know that you would find somebody out there who would admit that they would like to do that. And what we're talking about are, are post-birth abortions, which is not an abortion, it's infanticide, or some people call it fourth trimester abortion. But what you need to know is that there are legitimately written ethical papers written in the medical community about why a parent should be allowed to have the choice to allow a child to die even after they're born. And there's an argument over how long you should have that. A week, 30 days. Some people argue, some philosophers and some uh, medical ethicists will say even up to two or three years, which sounds crazy, right? And when you read these things, it's you can Google it. Just look for... Uh, uh, post-birth abortion, you know, Journal of Medical Ethics, and you can find some of these articles out there. They, it sounds crazy, but the idea is this. If you are fully sold on the idea that abortion is a right, that the child has no constitutional rights, and that the primary reason for that is because the child cannot survive on his own and it requires the mom to be involved, uh, it requires another human being to keep that child alive, which is true, the thing is, is that even after a child's born, all of those conditions still apply. A child cannot live on his own uh, without an adult's help, without being cared for, without the burden and the resources of somebody else. It doesn't have to be the mom. She can put the child up for adoption. But somebody has to feed that kid, and somebody has to change the diapers, and somebody has to clothe that kid. Somebody has to take care of that baby or the baby will die. And the, the horrible thing philosophically, and this is an old thought too, you can find lots of old thinking about this, but there's also current thinking. Well, the thought is, is that, hey, if the child doesn't have rights before the child is born because of the burden on the mom, then that child still has all the same burdens even outside of the womb, just a different location, and maybe that burden can be passed to somebody else, but somebody has that burden. The child cannot live by, and so then the argument starts to go into really terrible places. How long does a human being have before they truly can take care of themselves? And that is an awful, horrific, evil question. See, when you, these issues that sometimes sound kind of crazy, sometimes they're crazy, but sometimes there is something that is rooted in the conversation. There is something rooted behind the scenes that nobody would say they agree with. How many people do you think how many pediatricians 20 years ago would have said, I think it's okay to give pu puberty blockers to a 12-year-old who is going through a phase about whatever gender they are? Or would say, I think it's okay to cut off the breasts of a young child or the genitals of a young child? I think the answer would be almost zero. Almost zero. Now you have centers that will do that at almost every children's hospital in the country. See, 20 years ago, you'd say that's crazy and it's immoral and it's evil and who would do that? Trust me that the way of evil is marches forward in time. This gets to be very, very spiritual. It's anti-human being. 
okay? When things are sort of against human beings, ultimately, you, you find all kinds of evil. Whenever you get into politics and maybe you're bored with it, maybe it's not a very fun conversation, maybe you get tired, you got some pet peeves like I've got, you know, who cares about the, the wave or those kinds of things. You got to realize that somewhere deep down behind that, there are decisions that we're going to make on November 8th that 20 years from now are going to have an impact on the way our society functions, the way we treat kids. And you might say that's crazy today, but 20 years from now, there's already people saying it. Maybe it will be the way of life, and that's no good. You're listening to Southern California Live. It is Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you like, 888-528-2557. Call now, 888-528-2557. I will be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues in just a moment. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today. It's Open Line Friday. Anything you'd like to call and talk about, you can change the subject. You can talk about a Bible issue that you've got, or you've got a question about the culture, something you'd like to bring up, anything at all today, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. One of the stories in the news, of course, is, uh, I don't know if you follow this or that you you really even understand the, the depths of it, the Elon Musk story, how he purchased Twitter, and he that that went through, $44 billion he paid for that. Um, that's a lot of money. He paid for that, and uh, it's probably not something you really want for $44 billion. Anyway, he bought it. He's in charge. He fired the CEO and the CFO and uh, the company's top lawyer last night, and some other people are walking or being fired. This person was interviewed outside of Twitter headquarters and uh, had this to say uh, about it. And, you know, one of the things that, before we get to that, one of the things that Elon Musk is claiming to do. And you got to be careful here. If people on the right are excited about this, Elon Musk is not really a conservative. You know, don't be too excited about whatever you think he's going to do. And you don't want him to just take it over and turn it into some far right thing that isn't fair as far as the conversations that we need to have on either side. But currently, until now, Twitter bans people who kind of have some, some thinking on the I don't even want to say right, because I think a lot of the thinking sometimes it gets banned is not really left and right. It's most of us, like 80 percent, and uh, and saying that it's hate speech or you know things that people used to believe 10 minutes ago as uh, normatively that suddenly has changed. Uh, suddenly that's bad. Here is one of the Twitter employees. I mean, if free speech is, you know, Nazis saying that, uh, you know, trans women shouldn't, you know, use women's uh, locker rooms, then... Awesome. I guess mission accomplished. We'll see. Listen, I got to touch base with my husband and wife. I got to get out of here. All right. Thank you guys. Sorry, Daniel. Thank you. He has to touch base with his husband and wife. Does he have both or is that just something he said in, in, in being nervous? Uh, everybody's a Nazi who has a problem with somebody who is, um, Transgender identifying that way and uh, in the opposite sex locker room because they're saying it's the same sex. See, 10 minutes ago, nobody thought that was a good idea. And now suddenly you're bad for it. And a a Vermont high school student, uh, it has been ruled, violated the constitutional rights of a student when it suspended her. This Vermont high school uh, suspended a girl for misgendering another student 
because a transgender woman, a guy, a boy in the class, decides he's a girl and then wants to now shower and be in the ladies, the girls' locker room. And he goes in, the girls in the locker room objected to this, but they're the ones who got in trouble, and in particular the one who is telling on him for misgendering. And uh, she was sent by the high school to go to a restorative session with staff in order to straighten herself out for this thinking. That is uh, considered, you know, now if you are a woman and there is a biological male who now wants to be in the ladies' locker room in high school, you have to let him in there and you have to do all of your business in there in front of that person. And in this particular case, this person, while he is he's biologically male, he says he wants to be a transgender woman, but he's still attracted to women. And he still has, you know, his boy parts. And she's the one who is getting in trouble. Well, they're suing now the state. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. It just seems to me, you know, are we really at a place where that's what's going to happen? I don't understand. I don't understand in whatever compassionate view you want to have for people who are going through this, doesn't it make sense that the reason there are men's and women's locker rooms in the first place is because people aren't so comfortable changing and showering and doing personal things in front of the opposite sex, those people that you're not married to. Okay. Those people that are not part of your family or that you, you know, it's just, you know, in, in my day, if a guy would have done that, he would have been kicked out of school arrested maybe if he went in there and took his clothes off that's the difference if and if he go in fact the same guy if the guy goes in there and uh, gets in the shower and says he's a heterosexual uh he's gonna go to he's gonna be in trouble that's the world we live in uh here today friends 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation 888-528-2557 is the number it's open line friday we'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about 888-528-2557 is the number. I think these kinds of things are on the ballot because the the way of thinking is, I think, a big part of this. I was watching the news today and somebody being interviewed who is going door to door, inviting people to vote for a certain candidate. She said that what she's noticed that's different this time is that sometimes people are rude to you if you're the one doing that canvassing. You ever go door to door? You ever do that for candidates and, and uh go door to door and you got the flyers and you you say hi I'm here for so and so and I'd like you to vote this way it can be it's super interesting maybe you've done that for Jesus you know hello you know where would you go if you were to uh die tonight you know would you go to heaven or hell what you know you maybe done that you meet all kinds of different people and and the politicians do that pretty well in fact the the politicians who win many of the politicians who are going to win this time around who you didn't expect to win Often they're the winners because they did that. They went door to door and they they met with people uh, and they talked to them and they sat in their living rooms and they had that conversation. What this person who is a a canvasser, what she had to say was this. She goes, usually people are sort of rude to us, right? They slam the door in our face. No, we're voting for the other person and they're rude to me. She said, this time they're rude about the ideas. She said, this time they are less about me or the candidate. They're more about the ideas. And I thought to myself, well, maybe that's good and maybe that's bad. I'm like, we shouldn't be cruel to each other. But maybe people are actually thinking about what their vote means this time. Maybe people are actually thinking well beyond 
just sort of the R's and D's at the ends of the name. There's a lot of elections that uh, are are very interesting uh, because of that. And I think it matters every election. People say stuff like this is the most important election of our lifetime. Um, this is the first time I've actually felt like this is the most important election of our lifetime. And maybe I'm going to feel like that for every election, you know, going forward. Everybody says that, right? Every election is the most important election of your life. There's somebody I listen to on the radio and every, you know, for 50 years, it's the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, this one is pretty significant because I do think it has to do with a lot of ideas, not just issues. And there are big issues. There are big issues with the economy. There are big issues with crime. There are big issues with uh, inflation. And, uh, and I think there are big social issues that are, are very, very, you know, homelessness, very significant. But it's the philosophy. It's not like you have a small group of people who are just incompetent and we need to get rid of them, but we'll put some other competent people in there regardless of the party. I think the problem is, is that we've moved to a place where we are – we're dealing with the philosophy and whether we're going to put up with it or not. I'm afraid we're going to keep putting up with it in California for a while. There are things that are very clearly wrong. The homeless problem just gets worse and worse. The drug problems, the fentanyl problem, it's getting worse. And if you don't attack the reasons it's getting worse, you should expect it to get worse. Do we not have that philosophy anymore? Have we lost that? You know, this is, it's just a very, very significant thing. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I think at the end of the day, too, we're going to vote, but then we're going to ask the question, what now? This is a place for the church. I think we say this, but we really have to mean it in the same way with the philosophy. The reason the philosophy is changing is because of the rejection of God, the rejection of the ethical standards that are are right scripturally about human beings and how we treat them. But if the church isn't out there, or if the church is just political on the left or the right, and quits caring on November 9th, and cares again in two years when everybody uh, comes again to gathers again together to vote, then we're not going to make progress. I think the, the church is not supposed to be seeking power. I think we get way off when we're doing that. But I do believe that through loving people, that the communities that we're a part of should change for the better. That wherever the church of Jesus Christ is, wherever the people who are the church are loving the people in the community, real love, not, not sort of a love that's not really love that you just sort of uh, never challenge people when they're doing wrong or you believe that everybody's way is okay real love, where you stand up for what is right, where you stand up for kids, where you stand up for um, people who are oppressed or people who are poor, you really get involved and you don't just speak out, but you do something. You know, speaking out matters, but you have to move beyond the hashtag. You have to move beyond the, well, I had something to say about this. You have to move into this person whose name is Phil and, and I are working together so that Phil uh, gets help this way, or so that Phil grows in his faith, so that Phil actually has an opportunity to do better in this life. And we do that by ultimately through discipleship. The discipleship is not about simply making people do better in this life, but it is a result of it. 
and they will have a life with Jesus when they come to know Jesus. But they will also grow in this life in wisdom when they know Jesus, because they'll have the Holy Spirit. They'll grow in this life in the decision-making that they have, in repentance, in the freedom that comes with that, in the ability to understand what life is about. Are we able to do that? That's something that I am hoping and praying that each one of us will be focusing on as we come to the end of the election process once again. As important as it is, and it is, you know, a lot of the problems ultimately get resolved because the church is the church. History has told us this. This is how it works. You're listening to Southern California Live. It's Open Phone Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. You can call now. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, open line Friday. Where's my... There we go. 888 We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. Uh, President Biden made a couple of interesting comments today. Here was number one. I come from a family where everyone gas price. Wait a minute, this one. Today, the most common price of gas in America is $3.39, down from over $5 when I took office. Uh, people are wondering why did he say that, because uh, when President Biden took office, uh, the gas price, according to um, CNN, was $2.39, not $5 when he took office. It got up to $5 during his time in office, and it's now down a little bit. Now, we're talking about national gas prices. If you're in California and you're thinking $2.39, when was that? When did we have that gas? I feel like it got down to that for a couple of months one time in the early 2000s. And then back in the night, I remember when it got to be $2 and how, you know, angry we were about that. I would love $2 gas. I would love to have what $4 gas now. Um, I don't know why he said that. And, and people are sort of baffled. Do you believe that? Was it an error? Did somebody write that on the teleprompter? You know, what? where does that come from? But he said something else that I thought was kind of interesting. I come from a family where gas prices went up or food prices went up. What happened? What happened was it was a conversation at the kitchen table. And we're doing a whole lot of other things. And by the way, the food prices, the main driver of food prices is not the price of beef and eggs, et cetera, although they're up. It's packaged goods, packaged goods. You're going to see people not buying Kellogg's uh, Raisin Bran, which you're going to see them buy another Raisin Bran, which would be a dollar cheaper. I mean, I, I don't know why, but I thought that was kind of funny, like because of the inflation that's going on. Uh, you have been demoted from the Kellogg's Raisin Bran, and you've got to buy some kind of off-brand Raisin Bran. Have you been there before? I, is this? It just made me laugh, and it's not funny because I know that some of us, uh, you, know, you, you know, cereal's crazy expensive. I don't know if you've we. If you go get a box of Cheerios, the regular standard box of Cheerios, it look it's just as tall as it's ever been, and they do that because it's got to fit on the shelf, right? But it is so thin, I think it's only about the width of a quarter. Like you take a quarter and you put it on the back, and it costs the same. It's like four ninety nine unless you can get it on sale. Four ninety nine for that box of Cheerios. And they've got some other kind of uh 
other Cheerio brands out there, right? The off-brand Cheerios. So they're not called Cheerios. They're called Happy-Os or they're called, uh, you know, not, you know, I'm doing fine O's, leave me alone O's, different degrees of, you know, whatever kind of emotion you might be feeling when you're eating your Cheerios. And, you know, the the ones that are on the bottom shelf there, the ones that are on the, the very, very low end, you know, shelf there. Uh, and uh, I guess that's what we're supposed to do because of inflation and the inflation of food is you can't buy the uh, the General Mills cereals or the Kellogg's Raisin Bran. You got to you got to buy the uh, what do they call the what do they call the knockoff Raisin Bran? There must be a cheap Raisin Bran back there. They can't call it. <laughs> they can't call it Raisin Bran. Can they? Is it post raisin bread? It, it's what? Raisin man, you know. You some, there's some kind of weird thing. It's it's like old grape bran, right? You know, sun. There's got to be some kind of other way that they call it there. But you can save a dollar maybe and buy those. Maybe maybe they don't realize that those are getting more expensive though. We always buy the cheapo bread, like the cheap. Bran flakes with raisins. That's probably how they, they, they do it. Bran flakes with raisins. Thanks for looking that up, Wilbert. They, I think that um, we always buy the cheap bread. And we used to be able to get the loaves of like the store brand bread for 75 cents. Not too long ago. It would be on sale. Um, 75 cents. That same loaf when it's on sale now is a buck ninety nine. That's how much that's gone up just in the past, I would say the past year or maybe a year and a half. Uh, that's a lot for like really cheap bread. 888-528-2557, open phone Friday. We'll take your call on anything at all. Angela in uh, California, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how you doing? I'm good, Angela. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I've been trying to get through to you for like weeks. For weeks? Well, I'm sorry yeah. about that. Well, I'm glad you got through today. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Thank show. You. What can we? What do you want to talk about? Basically, um, I was taking care of my husband for four years. He had cancer, um, brain cancer, and uh, I was comfortable with me and my four kids, and he and I, and we were together fourteen years. Mm. And then he died on me. I was, you know, and I've been in dire straits like ever since. Even though I work for the government, it's still tough. It's still tough because they don't pay us. And I work. Matter of fact, I say who I work for TSA. At the airport, they're not mm. paying us enough. What? Uh, just, when did your husband die? Twenty twenty. Okay, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you still working, Angela? Yeah, right now I'm off for a week because I had a viral infection, probably from overworking myself. My body just couldn't. I was just doing too much to my body, working overtime, weekends, and yeah, not slowing down. You know, it's just. Yep. Yep. I just passed out at work. Like they said, put me in the hospital. And uh, they said, just take it easy. You don't have the hours. You're not going to have the pay. You know, it's like I don't have the hours. So basically, I'm working, not making money while I'm off. You don't have any but sick like, time uh, or vacation time you can use for this time? Nothing. Nothing. You should you have some sick time. Have, have you taken the sick time yet? It should say somewhere in your pay stub. No, it's nothing at all. Not no. I talked to my manager today. You have no time at all. Because I have developed health problems once I, once I stopped taking care of him. So I have migraines and torn cartilage, cartilage in my right knee and, and tendonitis in both my heels and my feet. Mm. So I take off out of my five days. Sometimes I take two days off. So I lost all my vacation hours when I took care of him. Those hours went out the door, like the four or 500 I had at the time. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I used FMLA and then. So it keeps you from being fired during the FMLA. 
I see. You know? Okay. So, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I think so a little yeah. bit. So, mm-hmm. how many? You said you have four kids. Yeah. How old are your kids? They're all under um, thirty. They're all under thirty, yeah, like 20, but, but 20, 29, 24, 22, and fifteen. But the boy, the boys are just being like totally lazy. The two twenty-four and twenty. 22-year-old, but one is disabled. The 22-year-old is disabled. Okay. Does the 15-year-old live with you still? Yes. Okay. And uh, they're not able to, do they, do any of the rest of them live with you, or do they live on their own? There's three live with me. My other one, he practically lives with me because he's practically there all the time. Him and his girlfriend live together, but with their baby. Hmm. So I don't ask him for much just to probably give me a ride here and there with because he has a car. Yeah. But um, I've been through a lot because I had two cars stolen, one in April, one in May. And then I rented it for two months. I mean, I bought another one. That engine went out two weeks after I bought it. Hmm. So three cars in less than three months. And I rented cars. I couldn't take any more. It was $300. It went up from 200 a week to yeah. 300 a week, and I couldn't do it anymore. So I just do lift for lift to work. Okay. And I said it's cheaper than me paying like almost a thousand a month. So I wasn't able to save. I hadn't been able to save to try to buy another car. Yeah, well because you don't want to spend a, a thousand a month. You could uh you could make car payments on, on that if you could do that. What um how far away is your work? How far away is your work? So far work is like twenty one it's like literally twenty one miles away from the house. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you were working at the airport then? Yeah, and I just made 20 years yesterday. Oh, okay. I'm well, at home. Wow, okay. Celebrate. So, yeah, yeah um, well, I'm really sorry about what you're what you're going through. And, um, it's not your fault. Yeah, have you, have you thought about, uh, you know, I don't know what the, the pay range is like, but even getting a different job? It's hard after 20 years, that's for sure. Years? Since I made the 20 years, I'm vested, and so I can actually do something different. But uh, I want to see, I heard that we can possibly get a raise in coming January for 30%. Okay. But they said something about the Senate and House and all that stuff has to to, to prove it. And if they do, then we got it. But if not, then I have to work for the city or something. Yeah. Get more money. Yeah. They're making like $30 an hour you know, to start. And and you make less yeah. than that now. I only make twenty three twenty three fifty. Twenty three fifty an hour. <laughs> we started off started off thirteen dollars when they told us we're going to make eighteen dollars. That's why I left my ten dollar an hour job, thinking what I'm about to make eighteen dollars. I'm out of here. Yeah. I literally gave them a two day notice. Hmm. Uh, I gave them a two day notice at a bank, Lockbox Bank in Pasadena. Yeah. Uh, and okay. I said, "Hey, I'm out of here." And then it turns out the check was only twelve ninety nine an hour, but it's the best decision I ever made, really, because that was my career for all these years. Yeah, I actually you know, enjoy myself at the airport. You know, yeah, I love my job. I can't imagine even ever leaving it for a while. Well, you've been there twenty but, years, so maybe there's some benefit for you. You know, have you? Uh, you being that it's a federal job, you you probably are you know linked into however they're doing their budget. Uh, for sure, you should be getting paid more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Well, why don't you let me pray for you? And are you part of a church anywhere? Yes. Uh, uh, Sunrise Christian Community Church in, in Orange County. Well, and uh, they call it Buena Park, Orange County. We say in the OC, <laughs> but it's actually Buena Park. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? Do do people anybody at the church kind of know your situation about the car, for example? 
Come again? Does anybody at your church know that you need a car? Yes, I actually told my first lady a couple months ago, and she said, well, I'll see what I can do, and I'll call you. And then she doesn't say anything. She just texts me because I, I post on Facebook a lot. Yeah. Like anything in life. And, um, and she hasn't said anything. Okay. Well, I would keep I would keep asking. You know, sometimes people will donate a car to a church, and they give it away. And uh, wow. you know what I would do is I would I would pray that that happens that there is a way that because that I think would help you a lot. It's still expensive to Uber and Lyft. I got, I'm going to pray for you because we got to we got to turn it off here in a second. Okay, I got a hard okay. break. Okay, Angela. Okay, thank you so much. God, I thank you for Angela. I pray, Lord, that you would provide her with a car, that you would heal her her broken heart with the death of her husband, that you would uh, that you would be with her kids and draw her cl- kids to you so that they would know you, so that they would even be able to help with this, um, that they would give their lives to you. I pray that someone would provide Angela with a car through her church or through other means. In Jesus' name, amen. Angela, thanks for calling. I'm glad you got through. I have to go. I got a hard break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We're here every day from 3 to 5. I hope that you have a great weekend. I'll see you on Monday. God bless.